It's episode 149 of the Gamers Lounge. So, uh, a little bit late running. So, not not exactly on time, but even with that, the consistency isn't completely off. Uh, we only missed one one day and one cycle, if you will, one two-week period. So, you know... Uh, one little jump, and that was for a local event that I run called the Spring Fling. Um, Spring Fling is a large guild ball tournament. It's also a, uh, as of this year, 2019, it is turned into a full-blown convention with board games and whatnot. Um, I thought it might be interesting. I, this has been discussed in a couple of places. Uh, I was asked questions by... Um, Momentous Tackle, the uh, the blog uh, by the wonderful Alon Sims about, you know, what it's like to run a large event and whatnot. Um, but this year with some of the differences and having a couple of people in that uh, both attended and helped out, you know, Benjamin, who attended the Spring Fling as a attendee, uh, Josh, who helped out as one of the staff, uh, I thought it was good to jump on and have a discussion about the Spring Fling and the changes this year and how things went. So with all that being said, um, no further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. Gamers Lounge episode 149. 140. Yeah, 149. I am joined today in the lounge by... Benjamin. Josh. James. Who? Hanby. (laughs) (laughs) Dan Skippy. I just want to point out, I don't, I, I don't, I think this might have been right before, yeah, it was before you got here, Josh, today, uh, Julie, my wife, Julie, comes walking out and uh, looks, looks at Kami and goes... Josh asked if James was coming. Do you know who that is? <laughs> Who's James? <laughs> like, uh, thanks. That, she's like, I was like, I'm running late. She goes, don't worry, we're still waiting on someone. I can't remember his name. I said, James? And then five minutes later, she goes, Comby. I'm like, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have first name. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that uh, Jake was like, oh, we can't do that now. You're married. Like, when, they walk, when, like, when he walks in, he goes, hey, Comby, like, my wife just turned around and was like, yeah. Isn't that like, really Convy and Silent Convy? It is, it is, yes. I mean. <laughs> to be fair, it's Anne and Convy. It, it, it's it's, it's Anne and Convy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first, yeah, so we're going to do a couple of recordings, but the first recording we're going to talk about Springfling Convention. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. First woo! year. We just finished we, it. Yeah, just finished it. Uh, we're a week out. Yeah, a week out as of last night, and uh, I have both the videographer, who is working furiously to delete our video before it ever gets uploaded. I only I only delete the bad games, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, the guy that, one of the guys that ran, uh, basically you did Ethereum all weekend, but uh, helped run the board game side. Yep. And then 
you know, Benjamin who showed up and, and played and attended. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I was trying to coordinate everything. So I think it's a good sort of cross cross view. So, um, I mean, from an attendee standpoint, Benjamin, we'll start with you. Um, Spring Fling, historically a Guild Ball tournament. Mm-hmm. This year, not just a Guild Ball tournament. Uh, overlapped with Crazy Crazy Magic release, and apparently this is the big magic release for, if not the year, the recent history. Um, It was told to me as uh, this magic release is the magic magic equivalent of Endgame and the last season of Game of Thrones. Uh, Pretty much, as a magic (laughs) player, I can tell you that. (laughs) What did you you think about, uh, you know, going from... A Guild Ball tournament last year to not playing Guild Ball at all and doing the board games this year. And uh, and remember, you're in my house. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've uh, I've attended, uh, I believe, every single Spring Fling. Um, there might have been one that I might, the first one, I, I can't remember. But, yeah, so I've done the, the Guild Ball side of things plenty of times. And this year was the first year where it was not doing Guild Ball, instead doing board games. Um, I was very curious of how things would end up. And let me say, there was... So much stuff to do, and there was so much stuff that I didn't get to do that I wanted to do. So that was something that really? I was that I was worried about. That oh, you know, maybe there's going to be a spot, you know, sometime on uh, the second day on Sunday that it's like ah, I've kind of done everything. What else am I going to do? Uh, but for the most part, I found myself going, "Darn, I, I really wish I had time for this game, for this game. I wish I, you know, could have done this and that." So um, okay, so let me just point out as the organizer, I'm going to turn away from the attendee that. Typically sounds like maybe a bad comment, right? There was so much to do, I couldn't get it all in. I feel like I missed stuff. That would never be a bad comment and, about a convention. And meanwhile, I'm over here going, yes! <laughs> that, I mean, that proves that you're appealing to a large group and that the things that you have are interesting enough to keep people going and trying new things. Which is one of the things I was... I, I mean, I don't know, I, especially you, Josh, who was looking at helping out on the board game side. That was one of the things I was worried about. Did I have enough? Is there going to be interest in these things? Like, like, especially as we were building sort of the sign-up list beforehand, there were so few people that signed up for things. I was like, ah, crap. I mean, we even canceled our Keyforge tournament because, ah, crap, not enough people signed up. It was it was interesting. I was a little worried about it at one point. We actually did pretty well. Um, we had we a had bunch of Ethereum games going. We got a bunch of people running for the boss of uh, Dark Souls boss, the Mega Boss, which was a big fun fight. Wasn't that fun to, like, it's as much fun to watch that as it is to... I felt a little bad because one guy didn't get a turn fun. one game. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't see that game. Yeah, that was that was the second <laughs> game that Mike played, and he didn't actually get to go because... I didn't get to go the second time around. You gotta hold the microphone up. I didn't get to go the second time around. Really? That you didn't get to go a second time, or you didn't get to activate at all? No. Like, did not activate at all. I was like, I put myself down, I was like, cool, last person to activate, oh, never mind. Assassin's it. Okay, so I guess it would be important. Um, so, one of the things we did do was a Dark Souls boss fight. And nobody really showed much interest or any interest in it day one. And um, then Sunday, there was a bunch of people that were like, we want to fight the boss. So what's the Dark Souls thing? Let's try it. And uh, what we ended up doing, we, we had the ability to set up two boss fights. We only set up the one. And it was Calamite the Dragon. So, Calamite's on the board. Four people on the board. We reached out to Steamforge Games, got their recommend, recommended equipment loadout, put that equipment on the on the players. And I will say, I watched the first game, 
And I thought it was one of the more cinematic moves, right? I'd, and as I was playing it out for other people, the way the cards came up, mm-hmm. right? All four heroes pile into the big, the big map, and the dragon whips his tail around, hits nobody, which very much is like, okay, look, don't don't mess with me. Right? I'm like a big dragon. Animal, he's tail right? lashing and just right? and so they move. One of the characters moves forward, and he breathes fire all over in front of him, and then backs up away from the party. And it's like, you don't want this. And the next person moves up, and then he charges across the board, stops short, and hits the guy that just moved up. And meanwhile, Convy's like, ha-ha, missed me. And, uh, you know, that starts the, you know, flails around. And I think he picked up the warrior or the knight and flailed him around a little bit. And then the rest of the party moves in, hits him a bunch of times. He's taking a beating, we taking we a beating. Good. Got him all the way down to the heat-up card. And then he jumps into the air, strafes the party, and wipes him out. Kill, kills the assassin because assassin Surprise. can't die. Whoosh! Kills the assassin. Kills the assassin. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I thought that was very cinematic. It was, it was a good fight, and the mm-hmm. way the cards randomly shuffled up was good. I didn't get to see the second one, so what happened in the second game? Um, well, the assassin... <laughs> I guess it was much shorter. It was. Yeah. <laughs> First person went, second person went, assassin goes, cool, I'm going to do assassin things, and then I failed to dodge, and oh, <laughs> that's the end, because... You know, I That's walk pretty up, much how I it walk goes. up, I attack. I'm, look, I got six left. I got five left. Oh, one to dodge, and I fail. Oh, three bolt. Oh, no. No. So three activations, dead. Yeah. No, yeah. That, was, that was bad. The yeah. third game, they actually got him pretty low. They got him down to 12 of his 38 health. Of his 38, which is impressive. It is. And uh, I will say, it was the assassin who died. Thank God, because I only had one health left, and I was not the assassin. Oh, perfect. So, not my fault. <laughs> so, uh, I got a lot of feedback, and some people said that was actually by far the most fun of the games they tried. They had a lot of fun with that, just really how really how weird it went. Like, because they were having so much fun with the, the uh, I know, I know. with the weird dice rolls, and like, oh my god, I dodged it, or oh my god, I took no damage from the tank, and all these things. Huh. Like, they had a lot of fun with just the the tension of that particular game. I okay, so. I mean, we all know my opinion, right? I think the Calamite fight from all the fights I've seen in Dark Souls so far is the best fight. Mm-hmm. What did you, like, I mean, going around the room, because Benjamin, you played in one of them, right? Yeah. What did you think of the Calamite fight? So, unfortunately, in my game, it was uh, Warrior went, uh, stuff happened. Assassin went, hey, I'm the assassin. I walked up, I whiffed my two attacks, and then Dragon one-shots me and rounds over. Wait, did you say whiffed your two attacks? I be- yes, I whiffed both my, uh... my attacks. And um, and then we lost right there. So, yeah, I was laughing the whole time you guys were talking about the one thing where like, yeah, the assassin went super early and died. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, he did. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I didn't really get to interact too now, much with the mechanics. did you watch any of the other fights? Uh, no, because there was other things that I wanted to, uh, to do. I, so. going back to your, <laughs> what did you think, Josh? Uh, of all the fights that I've played so far in Dark Souls, now I haven't done any of the bosses. I've done the mini bosses, and now I've done this mega boss. So you did, you've done, what, Gargoyle? Tight Knight Demon. Tight Knight. Uh, and, and the Guy with the Big Hammer or something. That, uh, Ornstein Smile, that one? No, Big Big Hammer's Ornstein Smile, I'm... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I've don't done like two the... or three mini bosses and right. this mega boss. Uh, I've been, I enjoyed this partly because we just got to go to the the fun part, right? Like, right. Uh, so we avoided the grinding, but I also I like the fight a lot just because it very much 
cinematic, right? Like, he literally takes up into the air and lights a section of the room on fire. Right. Which is awesome. Uh, it also makes it really hard to predict. You, those cards don't come up enough from the cycle, so you don't learn the pattern of here's where he's going to refire next. Uh, so it keeps a lot more. That makes the game have a higher random element. Yep. Yep. I will say playing solo, those cards come up more often as you run your ass to stay away from him. Sure. <laughs> right? Doing, doing one poison damage a turn. <laughs> <laughs> 38 turns, I got him. <laughs> so what do you think, James? I was really confused, like the entire fight. Really? Because, so if you go on the Beer Thralls YouTube channel, you'll see the first game and only game I play of Dark Souls. <laughs> and I didn't know you're supposed to die. So, so when we so, died... So, supposedly, he means sarc- sarcastically, he was very confused. Yes. So, so yeah, we didn't die the first time we like we played the, like, the first mission. And you, even you were like, we didn't die? That was so weird. So yeah. the only time I've ever played, we never died. And then we walk in, and I'm just like, I don't get a turn? But what? What? I, but that this is ridiculous. You're supposed to die. <laughs> um, I, I love the fact there's a there's a point in the game where the dragon curses you. Yes. Like, oh he, yeah, yeah. He hits you and then curses you, and that one came out and I think it hit you first, it, Josh, it the first round. That's why I died. And you were and you were like, oh, really? Okay, I just get one of those tokens. That's not that bad. And then the next turn, you were like. Wait, I have to drop. Oh. You dodge. Don't fail us. Don't. Oh, you're cursed. Right. We're all dead. See, now to be fair, I actually played my turn wrong because I, I didn't dodge one of the attacks before because I could take that hit. Right. That should have been removed my calamity token on that because I still roll my one armor. Oh, yeah. yeah and then yeah. I should have had, had a full dodge. Yep. I didn't. I played that wrong when I actually did mine. Uh, but that is what caused the other group to die <laughs> because our rogue got it and he's like full, you know, he's like half health, whatever. He's okay. Mm-hmm. Then the fire breath comes up that requires three successful dodges. Yeah. And it reduces his number of successes by one. And then you're three dice. <laughs> then he rolls, and he actually rolls the three successes. Oh. Just, he was like, screw it. And I was like, and he got it. I was like, oh my god, he actually would have, he would have pulled this off. So, injury. Thanks. I am intrigued. I have the other, one of the other dragons. Mm-hmm. And that dragon also has a, a quote-unquote strafe deck. I've glanced at it. Instead of strafing in lines like Calamite does and big portions of the board, he does circles. Basically, he jumps up to the top of the board and just breathes straight down at some varying range right. of of a footprint. Or spits like the fireballs. That you yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see what that fight's like. But no, this yeah. was... When we started the fight, you were like, okay, now he's got some strafe cards. Ha ha ha. That's going to be funny. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. He's got some strafe. Like, yeah, he strafes in lines. The line you're talking about is basically take this <laughs> half of the board. A third board. of the board, a half of the board. And it's like, pardon, what? That's that's the entire board almost. What I've noticed about the strafe cards is whenever they do a large section like that, they don't cover the very edge. It's right. one row in from the very edge yep. to like to the middle. Um, so it's almost half. But you can, if you actually sit on the very edge, you can say save. Yeah, that's, that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, had you lived and learned oh, the yeah, pattern. Oh, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> You had gotten good. What's the get good? (laughs) Get good. Hey, well, that's why I played it once. So that was Dark Souls. Um, How did Ethereum go, Josh? Uh, Ethereum went well. We ran, so we were running part of the uh, the campaign, the story campaign. Enter the Wanderers, uh, Spring Fling. So of the campaign, Enter the Wardens, Enter the Wardens, right? Um, The Wayfinders. I think it's Enter the Wardens. Enter the Wayfinders. Enter the Wayfinders for the Wardens, which is the which is the release story of the Wardens, and this is. 
only the third place that you can go contribute to this. Uh, two of three, right? That's right. Um, so it was pretty cool. Uh, I, a lot of the people who had played were experienced, and a bunch of people were not. So it ended up being four wins. Can we say the numbers? Um, Why not? I, I, we don't know the rest of them. We, so. Well, no, we can say the numbers, but and then the real key on this is wardens. Right. Wardens came out ahead. Wardens yeah. came out ahead. The Wardens had Strong four wins. wins. Four wins, uh, one loss, and a tie. And the only loss was to House Hikaru, which happened to be who I was playing that particular game. Um, but it, otherwise, it went really well. We had a bunch of demos also, but I think people... We had a lot of people who had never seen the game before come by and talk. Because like, a lot of people have been talking about it and getting yep. really interested in the, the tile-moving mechanics and, and kind of the... the aspects of the game that make that one different from which I thought was really interesting. In the role so all three of you played in the role playing game, right? Yes. yes. What was that experience? Like I sat in and listened to the role playing game, but wow, okay, so James just squeed. <laughs> You'll have to clean up your mess in a little bit. Yeah, I'm 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 t- tidy like that. Um so the so we did the we've done, been doing the beta of it and the beta was interesting. They did change a lot from the, the, the feedback. They changed a lot from the beta to the um, release. The release. Well, release pre-release. is pre-release. It's not. It's not totally released yet. It's being releases at Origins. Yes. Yeah. So a couple of weeks, but it's. I don't think they're making any more changes to the book. Uh, the book that we had was a uh, a mock-up. So there was actually some pages that said, "Don't do it." There's nothing right. on this page. Um. That was great. The mechanics were were awesome and nice and clean. The one thing I did enjoy was the the the, the introduction did plot. Did, did did the introduction plot? So this is the so like you play Starfinder. Starfinder's like first mission is kind of like here's how you do space combat. Here's how you do this combat. Here's how you do socials. They kind of mix it all into one mission, and whoever wrote it. Like we played the beta mission and it was horrible. It was terrible. Like there were like things didn't make sense. Like it was just like oh, yeah, we threw, threw it together. This one was enjoyable, flavorful. Everyone got to do something that was amazing. And at the end of it, you're you we were all guys kind of like, well, what happens now? We want we kind of want more. Like like what's going on? It's good. Um, we did take our guy and accidentally. Um, Jam him out of the back of our uh, ship into the Ethereum was not our fault. <laughs> of course, it wasn't. It so says fault. that guy. It's it, definitely Ed's fault. It was. It was. <laughs> I tried to go towards the giant bugs that were approaching because <laughs> you like Romax. Of do. course, you did. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, let's go over there. Let's see what they're about." I do want to applaud Benjamin for just Man. channeling his inner axiom. The hard, hardest thing I have ever done in my life, man. I'm I'm somebody who's normally all about you know anime, the anarchists, the, the dirty trash pandas, the, the dirty trash pandas, the angsty teenagers, you know. But I had to play this you know stiff up sort of guy uh, who's um oh man trying trying to be the smooth talker as well. It was um I, I just love at what point as I'm watching. <laughs> Benjamin's sitting there with his his Axiom Church upstanding citizen person, 
and uh, the party, and you were in a party of like five people, four people, five people. Yeah, I think it was, it was four. All five, yeah. yeah, all five. All five. It, it, yeah. And, and the party's like, okay, everybody line up. And Benjamin's like, I'd like to. And they were like, so and so's a friend, so and so's next. And Benjamin's like, I will allow them to go before me. I think that is the right place for them to go. I will direct them up there and stand here in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my best. <laughs> Wait, you're forming a line without me telling you? They've conformed. Yes, well done. Well done. Oh, boy. And then when we were at points of people, you know, arguing and discussing, I'm just like, go to the front line and say, forward, this is where Axiom tells me to go. (laughs) Nice. I point my stick. This way. Uh Which way are we going? That way? Right. That way. That way. This way. (laughs) That's good. Oh, yeah. So uh, I tried, uh, but, man, it was hard trying to trying to be that Axiom. But, uh, yeah, uh, mechanically wise, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, certainly interesting with, um, how they, because Ethereum is a game, uh, sort of based in a computerish sort of reality, you can think of it, not, not necessarily, but you can think of it that way. How they deal with hacking and stuff is super yeah. interesting. It's basically a mechanic of manipulating the world itself. Um, and it's interesting too, cause it uses the Ethereum <coughs> dice, um, as part of the mechanic. So you get that little tie in from the, um, uh, Ethereum game as well. I was intrigued listening to it that it's um, so the the way the D twelve is set up on the Ethereum dice. You have four sides that have a kind of gear around the outside of the symbol, and then of the twelve sides, you have one side which is a skull symbol, and then you have a distribution of the rest of the three symbols. And the most common symbol, I remember how it all lays out. The most common. You, you're rolling for the gears, for the disruptions, to be successful. But then the symbols you roll change what happens with your hack, which is kind of, in a fantasy system, would be magic. Power was adds. Add was add an effect. Was add no, effect. it was just add an effect. Surge was, okay. surge was One of them time. is... Oh, well, no, no, no. One of so them is power add, add time, things to, subtract things remove, from. And short is an increased duration. Mm-hmm. And then you, when skull was just, you just oh, take okay. damage. Because yeah. basically the Ethereum Because I, when Brian was sort of laying it out for me, he was saying, you know, part of the idea here is, okay, I need to get through that space. If I need to get through that space, I, you know, subtract space from that barrier to make a door. Mm-hmm. I add a door to that open space mm-hmm. to, right? So it's, you know, I need to get across this chasm. Well, I'm going to subtract you know, you know, I'm, I roll all subtractions. Well, how do you how do you take something away to help you get across this? Well, I subtract gravity from the area around me. Now I can just float across. Okay, there's the subtraction. Yeah, you the know. kind of idea was give us a general idea of what you want to do. I want to go through that wall. Right. Okay, cool. Roll your dice. Now you have to use what you have to try to like because you're adapting your hacking skills basically because as the nodes or the pylons are trying to and then the further you get away it. from reality the more yeah it, delicious you yeah. can get mm-hmm. the more successes you get like so if it's like if it's a and it's based on the node or pylon so if it's like a pylon level one you just need one success one one disruption symbol if it's a level two you need two but if it's like a level one and you roll three then that's two glitches which ah. adds dice you pretty, pretty much Anything that you do... That's not a hacking roll. From anything else. That's, yeah, any, any other hacking roll. Uh, any, no, no, uh, that's anything roll. that's Sorry. not a hacking Sorry. roll. Right. Which I was kind of interested in is there's that whole idea of glitches. That was the only thing I saw as a mechanic in the role-playing game that I thought was cool. Um, 
that's a really challenging test. I'm trying to do whatever. I'm trying to punch somebody. I'm trying to do a normal test. That's a really challenging test. I'm going to take a glitch. I'm going to screw with my link to reality, and that glitch that I take makes it easier. And then there's actually, there was one of, uh, I think it was the diver character, who Mm -hmm. basically can just ignore one glitch. So he's encouraged to use glitches in the game. Yeah, his little special trait was I can just ignore a disruption, ignore a glitch on a normal roll. On a on a non-hacking yeah. roll. Yeah. yeah. Most of the a bunch of the characters had some setup like that. Like the Aether Tech got to ignore a disruption or turn disruption off when he rolled his hacking dice. Okay. Um my character got to ignore glitch when hacking my own programs. Um so anytime I wanted to modify my own stuff, I could it's a, I got to ignore all glitch, so I could success as much as I want. To be yeah. like, cool, now I do all of right. this stuff to myself. Now, Josh, you mentioned something kind of interesting when we were talking afterwards, which was this being a one-shot introductory was great for learning the mechanics, but doesn't really comply with the campaign because normally in a campaign, you would then jack out at the end of the campaign, right. and all those glitches you built up, you died. Yeah, so the glitch, <laughs> the glitch can actually cause meat space damage if it's beyond stuff, uh, if you get logged out. Um, if you get forced, forced out, basically. yeah. So, actually, if you log out normally too. Uh, no, because you can recalibrate with a pylon. If you recalibrate a pylon or a node, if you don't, you're still taking that glitch. Sure, you would just sure. I mean, you might wish you wouldn't. You would just walk back to the node. Right. Yeah, it's the yeah. whole idea of like the fantasy. We go back to the tavern, right, you know, right. after the mission. So, what we were seeing is because of the one shot, people were able to abuse the mechanics more than they might otherwise. Like, cool. I'll take three extra glitch to lower my number and get me two extra dice. Right. My friend Dustin. You wouldn't Which necessarily do that in a long-term campaign because your character would just But die. it's not a bad thing to do for an introductory it mission because exactly. it, it shows you the extremes of... It lets you just try and have right. fun with stuff. Well, we also, we did learn in, in our game what happens when you're forcibly logged out because at the end of the mission, he was just like, cool, everyone roll, I think it was like four D10s. And seven, seven pluses are successes. And I was just like, cool. Yeah, exploding tens. Yeah, cool. I'm like, five successes. And he goes, cool, take five damage. What? Uh, well, well I, I have four health left. That was his best roll of the game. Oh, that was an amazing roll. I was like, yes! Of course. Of course. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but he was like, okay, so what happens? And he goes, oh, well, we can show you what would happen if you're, you're forced, since you were forcibly logged out, you had three glitch on you, roll it. And I ended up taking, like, Two, two or three meat damage, I think, at the end of it. Wow. And he goes, so, yeah. He's like, after a certain amount, you get weird things happening. He's like, you might have a stutter. You might um, forget some stuff. Um, like, it affects yeah, your you're taking character. Brain damage, yeah, you're taking brain damage. So I was like, great, my character would have a stutter. <laughs> and, I, and I think the key here is the game is meant to be played in the Ethereum, but you still... Wanted to have you can do stuff in space too. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I will say I compared to where it was in the beta, they've definitely done uh, a bunch of things that I thought were good. Uh, they added like stunts, so when mm-hmm. you roll extra successes on your attacks, there's things you can you can get extra CS to spend to do more actions. Um, you can increase your damage of your attack. You can use that whole bunch of those things mm-hmm. without having to call it ahead of time. And they also uh, so there was definitely a lot more. That kind of thing that you can add because you can also change successes and lower your success number and things like that. Um, I thought that that opened up the gameplay a lot nice. compared to where it was originally. 
the biggest confusion we had initially was with character creation. And because we were doing a one-shot, we didn't do a character didn't creation. Do that. Right. So I don't know if that's been cleaned. I don't know how much that's been cleaned up. But I have a book. Lucky for you, you have a pre-release book. I have a pre-release book, so I could go find out. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'll report on that at some point. So, Conby and Benjamin... One of the components of the Spring Fling convention mm-hmm. was the Play and Win Library. Now, for the listener, a Play and Win Library, which amusingly I found myself having to explain at the end of the weekend to everybody, because even at the end of the weekend, people were finally, like it literally took almost two and a half days for everybody to go, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> that's what's... So what a Play and Win Library is, is... However they get brought in, in the largest portion, it was developers, publishers providing their game to us as a donation. And then those games are put out, um, and I want to go back to how we put them out, but those games are put out. People can check them out as people check them out, or in our case, you checked them out, and then when you checked them back in, you logged everybody that played. Everybody that played the game was put into a raffle drawing, one entry for playing, and then anybody who won the game, which was really good in, co- in cooperative games, because it meant everybody who won got one entry in the drawing for um, for winning. And then at the end of the weekend, or the prize ceremony, we drew names and gave out games. So these are games that were opened a week before the convention to be put together, which, how much did you guys enjoy that part of it? It wasn't too bad. Honestly. It wasn't that bad at all. Uh, there, there was one f- fun part. One of the games that was there was uh, was Gizmo and had to build a little cardboard structure for the game. That was the that was yeah, but Jake did it, so it's fine. We don't care. Uh, <laughs> no, Josh, did. I did it actually. Oh, you did it. Josh yeah, did it. still we don't care. Uh, so, I, to be fair for to Gizmo's credit, I was actually concerned that that wouldn't hold up because if it's cardboard, you have to keep putting it together. Right. But it's not. The box is actually designed that you put it together <laughs> once and just put it back in the box built. Which was fantastic, Which was watching awesome. you guys build it. Yeah. It's really, oh, crap. How am I going to have to take that? Oh. Oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah. And then you put it in the top of the box. For the <laughs> listener, I, I I have to admit, you guys are way underplaying this. I wish I had had video, because I come walking into my kitchen. There's a table of gamers there, and I'm holding seven game boxes in the plastic. Set it down, and went, everybody grab a game. We just have to assemble this. And everybody verbally went, oh. And everybody's face looked like freaking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So. We love to hate it. <laughs> so. Um, so, Convy, Benjamin, what did you think of the play and win over the weekend and then how everything ended up? Other than the fact that Convy screwed Benjamin out of the game he wanted. I've already apologized. I've already apologized. <laughs> it still hurts, man. We're just, we're just going to be up Jake in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> So, playing Win Library was fun. It was great. Um, I really like how it was um, that it was the games that you played were the ones that you were uh, entered in because it was like, oh, I really want to make sure I played this game, this game, this game, and then you had the chance of winning those games that you did. Um, it's a lot of fun. I um, I was lucky enough to get two games myself for the ones that I played, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and games you liked. Yeah, games that I like, which was nice. Uh, there was one that um, I really, really wish I had won, but um, 
Uh, why don't we have uh, James talk about that one? And then Jake stole it from you. That horrible, horrible person. Yeah, <laughs> stole it from me, right? All right, so... Uh, <laughs> that so, sounds like a guy with no soul. I was going to be... I was not going to bring my ginger hate into your podcast. But I'm on board. <laughs> so, uh, I think that the the one big disadvantage is uh, the time that we had, we had a lot of games that took a lot of, like, a lot of time to actually play. Terraforming Mars... Mad King, whatever that that game was that everyone hated. Between the two castles of Mad King Ludwig, yeah, the, the we can never score this game ever. Um, the um, the game that you wanted, the Resident Evil game. Like the set time was long, the play time was long. So it's like I really wanted to get more games in, but I found that I was like I was like cool, sit down and play this game because I want to play Terraforming Mars. And everyone's like, oh, it's like like three hours to play. Um, but we played tons of uh, Frontline No Comrades because it was like, oh, they're still playing. Well, hey, Frontline No Comrades, let's go kill each other. And that was really quick. Uh, I think also that I like the games that were being played. So, like, I like Terraforming Wars. Um, I did enjoy the Resident Evil game that much because it kind of felt like, like, I just don't like it personally. Thank God yeah. you won it. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't win Jake won it. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, yeah. No, 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 you want it. Yeah, no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> you may not have left with it, but you want it. Uh, I did. Uh, but I, we did play Ethereum because um, they had two base boxes there, and we we played that. Um, that I mean, we had a lot of people who were just like, "I've never played this game before," and we're like, "Cool, let's go ahead and set up and play it." Done. So I, I will say this from an organization standpoint. I'm I'm interested in your opinions. No, you're not. I. No, listen, I'm interested in you. <laughs> that doesn't really mean that. anything's going to change. I'm just interested. Um, from an organization standpoint, I think there needs. It's not something I had realized beforehand. And I do think there needs to be balance between shorter to play games, pick up games, mm-hmm. and maybe not down to the depth of filler games, but sort of in that range. And um, maybe even throwing in some party games, which we didn't really have. And the heavier games. I don't think you can go... I don't think it's a good idea to go lacking on the heavier games. Oh, no, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the there was a lot of big games, but there wasn't a lot of like filler games or small games or party games, which I think would have brought more people together. Like, Well, right. Well, I mean, when we look at four of the... I want to say there was nine or ten games there. Uh, I would say Ethereum probably is a, mid, a mid-weight game because we... One, there were demos running, and right. two, we built everything beforehand. Um, that said, Terraforming Mars is a heavy game. Gizmos is no Gizmos is no, sort Gizmos of a, pretty, it took pretty about, so about Terraforming an hour and a half. Mars is heavy. Mm-hmm. Spirit Island is heavy. Um, Gaia Project is heavy to very heavy. Uh, that was that was one that was more than I expected. Um, and you guys were saying Resident Evil was pretty. So if if it's, it's your first involved. time playing it, it's it takes a while. But if you've played it before, at least for me, the second game, because uh, I actually played um, with two different groups. The first game took quite a while. Then again, we did two scenarios. Uh, the second game oh, with okay. um, uh, two of the three people we were playing with had played it before. 
uh, it went really, really quickly. Um, so, but that's the thing is a lot of the games is not only is the you're factoring in the length of the game itself, but, but learning it, but learning it as well. Right. Invariably, almost always, people when they go to the Playman Library have not played right the games before they, you know, so or they're not super experienced with them even if they have played it. Once and that's one of the things I want to check. I I don't know if I'm going to be going to Pax Unplugged this year, but it's something I want to check out at Pax Unplugged. Pax Unplug apparently, what I've heard, having not been, is they do a really good job of having a larger number of staff who know the games walking around the open play area, just advising people how to play the game. Yes, they do. So, um... Uh, Adepticon kind of has... Yeah, so Adepticon, um... DC did it. So... At least from my experience, yeah, so. but he didn't know. Like I don't, I don't know how many of all the games DC knew. Right. And I know, like Josh, you and I played a game at Adepticon. Yep. And yes, we were able to get the game developer. He was doing another job, and we were like, "Hey, wait a minute! Aren't you blah blah blah? Didn't you design?" Yep. So you know that's different. That's us going. That's us knowing people, right? Knowing people. Um, I. I would actually typically say... Huh? Huh? Uh, Benjamin was going to say something. No. Oh. I was I was just going to say, at uh, my experience at Adepticon, the uh, the staff there at least were very knowledgeable in all the games that I tried, where I'd take one off the shelf and say, okay. hey, how's this play? And they're like, oh, yeah, we've played that before. Let me show you the quick uh, little setup rules and all that. So I, I would typically say to go a third or less on the heavier games. Um, ha, ha, were I to do this again, or had I had the chance to go back two weeks... I probably would have gone one heavy game less and swapped that out for sort of a lighter lighter or quicker to play game. Um, Maybe. I mean, it didn't... In some ways, it doesn't hurt to have the choice there, especially if... Would you do it again if it's in a, a different environment where there's... where it's running longer, the, the, the game, the playing around? I mean, to be fair, there was, what, 10 hours a day? That or, more play games? Or, right, more, or more people. Or more people. Right? Like... Some people, or some people, especially the people who are there to play board games, are going to be happy to sit down and just play a two or three hour game, right? Like that's not going to be a problem. It's the you need stuff for the people who are not just there to do that, but come and play something while they wait for their friends to finish blah. Or but it's not so much that um, board gamers that are there to play board games are up for playing, and, and I saw this right. There were people there to play games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy, who was one of the attendees. Yep. She was there to play board games. Um, she was completely up for playing board games, and she played more of the heavy games than I think anybody else. And even she got to the point where she, there was a couple of them she walked up and they, they went, uh, it's going to be another three-hour game. Yep. Let's opt for a second play of this shorter game, which she had a lot of fun. I talked to her afterwards, yeah. and I've gotten feedback from her. But um, But that's where I say, like, it's not the, I'm going to play one three-hour game. It's not even the, I'm going to play two three-hour games. It's the, I want to play the third three-hour game. Sure. I was just saying you don't have to remove heavy games. You can just add more lighter games. Uh, Okay. That's, and what I'm, when I talk about removing, I had a finite amount of games I was going to have. So my mix would have been one, one game. I don't, I think I got pretty damn close. I think I was just one heavy game too much. Uh, as looking at the, you know, games that didn't get played. Right. Uh, or didn't get played as much. So, um, I will say this. Uh, I am incredibly happy with the board game side and how it went. Actually, um, we've been, I, I, I've been talking to a couple of people, uh, 
to implement something similar, like learning from your mistakes and what you did well, to do that at the uh, Food Machine event, uh, having a, a board game play to win area. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Um, getting the... The other important thing is understanding how much marketing... Now, you know, the the food machine stuff becomes a lot easier because it's a charity. So a lot of people... It, it's weird. A lot of companies don't want to be known as the company that didn't give to a charity. So, it, it, is, it does... When you send it out, and like, we raised 720 pounds of food last year. We're trying to do more this year. Right. Do you want to give something to go... And they, no, 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 star. We don't want to feed that. <laughs> I don't want to feed the hungry. Um, but overall, I mean, it is a marketing thing, and it's one of the things I'm trying to keep in mind for the Spring Fling specifically is I want it to be beneficial to not only the players who are showing up to play but and, and win and go home with stuff and have a great time, but also the companies that come partner both as sponsors and donating things as well mm -hmm. as companies like Wing to Saar and Anvilate, who show up on site. Uh, Steamforge Games, who, you know, very nicely let Bryce fly over and play. So um, that's that's a big deal for me, is to make it beneficial for everybody. So I actually think I think you did a really good job of pulling in. Like I was extremely surprised when you were just like, "Yeah, Steamforge is coming over, Anvilate's coming down," and it's like because. Like you said, it's always been just kind of like a Gilball tournament. <clears throat> this is the first year it's really become like the stepping stone to a con. And the amount of support you got and the amount of people you had come in for a first year con, I, I was flabbergasted. I was humbled. I, I think I said that more this year than I did last year, possibly. It was very humbling. I One of the weird things this year, so... Uh, Every other year of the Spring Fling, I've been, like, in the guts, the person running the Guild Ball tournament and uh, just, you know, middle of my own OCD. This is going to go well. I want to make sure everybody has a good time, even if I have to force people and choke them until they have a good time. Um, I'm going to... Sometimes that's what they want. <laughs> <laughs> Only Josh. <laughs> um Threw him off. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to think through. It was it was an odd compliment. I walked up uh, on Sunday. I sat down at the judges' table, the sort of judge checkout table, and uh, I had two guys, Bob and Lon, who were amazing at helping out on the guild ball side, which I'll come to in a minute. But uh, Bob is sitting at the table, going, you know, typing on the computer, and I leaned over and I'm like going through the score sheets and I'm helping him sort some stuff, and I kind of looked. I'm like, well, what's going on? Where are you at? What what are we doing? And he looks at me and he goes, you know, because you've done really good this weekend. I was like, I, what do you mean? He goes, this time last year I couldn't even talk to you. You bit my head off every time I even looked like I wanted to say words. So I just kept my mouth shut and walked around scared of you. I was like, oh, I, I'm I'm sorry. He goes, don't apologize. I'm still scared of you, but you're <laughs> way nicer to be around and I can talk to you this year. He goes, I think this has gone well. He says, and I take that as huge, huge pat on the back that I've done a good job. Like, uh, uh, oh, I'm not quite sure how to take that, but I'll take it as a compliment. Give <laughs> <laughs> the choice a chance, compliment. Uh -huh. right. So, um, it was tough for me to take hands off 
Like, even sitting at, like, I sat down to play Goatfish, which, oh my god, Goatfish, I think, was the surprise for me. One, because it was so from out left field right. that it showed up. But then the game... This sounds really bad because I didn't expect the game to be bad, but the game was better than I thought and was still really light and yeah. quick. So, and and it is, it's combat go fish. It, it is an interesting twist on, on go fish. Yeah. Which is good. It was, uh, but um, even goat fish, like I sat down to play that. I'm like, I, I, I want to get a play of this in for a number of reasons. One, because of the guy that sent it to me and how it was made and the whole backstory. And even at that point, I had made that decision I was going to play probably three hours before I sat down to play. Because I'm like, I'm going to play, but i got to go take care of this. And i got to check on this. And, ooh, is this really the right time to sit down? I just don't know. And, <laughs> like, okay, I think I got it. And I turned to the table. I'm like, I got it. And they were like, dude, seriously, just go sit, like, go away. Well, that's okay. actually, that's the, like, when, you, when you're playing tournaments, you're running tournaments, you're doing everything. Yeah. When you're doing a con, you make sure the con runs. And you have underlings that take care of everything else. Like, you go, why is the board game guy underlings. not doing what he's doing? I, I, this is why I keep him around. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I heard the word. I helped, ran, I helped run a con. I know when you go, I'm going to do everything. People are just like, you are going to die. That's yeah. why you have underlings. <laughs> Task them. So, how'd the video go? Um... The, Not the video editing that we're going through now. The well, video on the, location, the, the location that we actually had, since we had all the the magic stuff going on, we didn't have it outside. It so rough, the yeah. the the um, talking back and forth, I thought was going to sound horrendous. I thought we were just going to have background noise and no one's going to be hearing anything. Surprisingly enough, we picked up a lot of table talk um, and not a lot of background noise, so you can actually hear them. Talking, it's not clear as I would like it, but you can still hear them talking, discussing rules. At the end of it, you can have, oh yeah, you should have done this. Hey, you know, this was a weird move. Why'd you do that? Um, I think the and also because of the location and because of the whole setup, I didn't, I couldn't sit there and move the camera around and do all the dynamic angles and stuff because I'd be sitting right next to the the judge area where people were walking back and forth, right. and also like where the store owner and employees have to walk and blocking a fire exit, which they yelled at me about. Um, Nobody was being set on fire anyways. <laughs> so uh, I, I designed like a, a three pane. So it was like you had one overhead, you had one to the side, one on the table kind of facing directly across. And people were just like, it looks great. You know, I, I, I like this view. Yay. And when I was editing the videos at full screen, like even the top view, which is pretty far out um you can see everything just perfectly fine wow so i was i was really impressed and i hope next year when we if we can move it to a different table where it's like more isolated i can have a larger setup so i'll have like four cameras and mics on on the people and all that kind of stuff now video in the past you you just ran like the this is the second year we've done video First year we did video, you just ran video. I just ran video. This year you bounced back and forth. Like you actually picked up a con ticket, went and played some games, ran the video, played some games, went back and forth. I wanted the swipe bag. That's fair. But how did like how was it easier to split your time? Was it No. No. I pissed off Jake so bad. Um 
because I was really because shake. I mean, we were playing, we were playing that. Yeah, we? I know, but we were playing a game, and I had to keep looking over because I have to hit record, right? So I can put it to YouTube later, um, because the stream wasn't wouldn't record it. So I had to keep looking over. Are they done? Okay, I, I can't go back to playing game. Are they done? I had to go back to playing game, and. Once they were done, I had to run over, turn everything off, make sure everything was still running, check in the stream, make sure there was no comments or anything that was going on. So you had like Jake and Benjamin sitting there going, "Come on, dude, we 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 want to play a game." And it was it was a That's struggle. Tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Guild Ball ran as well as it has in previous years. Um, I was very happy with the turnout. Uh, Bryce came over, developer. Also a fairly skilled player and won the tournament, which I found amusing. To be fair, I was actually surprised he was playing as a like an actual competitor in the tournament. I, I was too. Oh, it was uh, not a complaint. Yeah. I was just curious. It, it was actually part of the agreement I had with him was yeah. that he would come over and be able to play. And one of the things I liked is one of the, he he had asked as an aside if we could. Nobody stepped out to do this actively, but enough people were respectful enough that we only had to make a couple of comments to allow him to play as a competitor. Now, one of the things I did do for that, which I agree with anyways, especially since I'm often the one at the other table being asked, was I did make an announcement at the beginning specifically pointing out, okay, Guild Ball players, these are your TOs. Feel free to make whatever rules, rulings you need to do on your game. But the minute you find yourself turning to the table next to you, stop and call for a TO. Like, just let people play their own games. And I'm good in your own game. You guys arbitrate however you feel like it's appropriate. Right. But, uh, you know, I it was one of those things that I wanted to make sure that Bryce, to begin with, as a developer, had, there's going to be a tendency for people to turn to him because he's the head rules judge, right? He's the head rules lawyer. He's one of the developers. They're going to be like, what about this? How does this work? Dude needs to be able to play his own game. But also for the other pundits, we have a fair number of pundits in that room who are always happy to answer questions, but they're trying to play their games too. And several of them are competitive guys, so they rarely say anything, but I still want to kind of buy them that space of play your game. Yeah, of course. So not not a, or this is the whole thing, Um. Was there any complaints of people being like, listen, this is a guy who developed the game. His entire job is to play Guild Ball. Like, him coming over and playing, is it an unfair advantage? Like, did anyone actually be like, this is ridiculous? No, actually. And I think the final game actually shows, like, the like, final game was a pretty pretty competitive game. Um, I haven't edited it yet. So, I, no. <laughs> I have not. Okay, wait. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I did not watch it either. Uh, that was one of the areas I noticed in trying to get things organized to end the, the convention makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Usually I would launch the last round, already be well into getting things organized, finish things up and be able to watch the final game and then go back and do my final, you know, final bits. This time it was, oh wait, the last round launch. So I'm two and a half hours away and I still want to be involved in all the final bits, which means, oh crap, I have two and a half hours to figure out the rest of this crap and make sure everything is wrapping up at about the same time, make sure, you know, board games are three hours out, make sure painting's going to be set, and, you know, there, that was where there was more work for me than previous years. I think I think that... Um, but... I think that... I didn't hear anyone have an issue with it. 
I think that the last game I heard was really, really good. Um, and it did kind of come down to, like, it, it was tough. It was yeah. tough. It was down to skill. And that's what I go back. That's to answer your question. That's what I go back to is I didn't hear anybody complain. And I actually know there were people who were excited to play him in the tournament. Uh, now, I didn't look to make sure anybody did or didn't get matched up there, but I, I do know there were people, it, it wasn't so much a ticket seller because we got everything confirmed after we mm-hmm. were sold out, but there were people that were like, oh, crap, we get a chance to play against him. That's awesome. We're looking forward to that. Uh, how are your drops? That was annoying. This do you, like, you want to elaborate? Or? Well, uh, <laughs> this is, I don't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong because you guys have been around me long enough. I think this is the most annoyed I've been with drops for the spring flag. Did you have four um, tables basically gone towards the end? I'd have to look at the actual number. We had we had six people drop three days before the convention mm. with a wait list of two. Oh. Yeah, which blew my mind. So last year we had some drops and then we still had a wait list. And between the wait list and people that just showed up on the day, we filled the spots, the 64 spots, and launched for the full tournament. This year, um, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I know we launched short. I want to say we launched five or six or seven short. Um, well, no, because it wasn't an odd number, so we weren't at a buy right off. But and, and part of it was... Part of it was how late people waited to drop. Now, I appreciate I have not gotten any pushback. I put a fairly late date on no refunds, and there was a bunch of people that dropped after that, and nobody fought me about refunds, uh, which was good because we had already, <laughs> for anybody that has any doubt, that money was spent <laughs> before we before before I even got to... I'm cutting off refunds at this date. Um, but that being said, it had those people dropped a week earlier, we would have had less overall drops. There are people who found out the Wednesday before the tournament who said, "Had I had one, had I had seven more days, I could have rearranged my schedule to come down." But because I'm being given three days, can't make it. Right. Uh, that that. That annoyed me. So what about in, in the tournament? Like, Because you know a lot of people are like, oh, I lost my first game on their so win. I expected a lot more than that. We didn't, we didn't really have it. Hmm. We really didn't have it. Um, we had a couple of people drop going Saturday to Sunday, which we always do. And we had two. We had three people not tell us. But just didn't show up they on Sunday? just didn't show up on Sunday. Which, again, is not necessarily uncommon, but this was kind of weird because we're, we're kind of sitting around scratching our heads going, uh... And, it kind of, like, a couple of them were local people who I had talked to the night before and who had said, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get back. And, and I had even said, hey, I know you you actively, because it was one of my our locals, I know you were actively looking at playing board games... Are you going to drop and do board games tomorrow? And they were like, no, no, I'm going to finish this out and do all six rounds. And then they didn't show up Sunday morning. And I was like, ah, what just just happened? Um, I did think that people were going to drop to play board games. And that I I thought that too. And that didn't happen, which which did surprise me. 
do they know that because they pay for the ticket, they could jump over to the board games? I want to say yes, but I like none of that was restricted. And in fact, somebody actually went out and played some of the board games in between rounds Mm -hmm. and their name was in the drawing. And I was talking to them and that was the thing. They were like, wait, I can be in the drawing too. And I'm like, well, yeah, you got a ticket, but there was no, I never got any questions about, could I go play board games? Like there were people playing in between some of the faster games in between rounds. The question I got was, oh wait, or the surprise I got was, oh wait, I'm also eligible for the drawing. Now, sadly, that only happened with a couple of people, and none of them actually got drawn for the board games, which is good and bad. I mean, I think every one of the board games, the people who played the board games were entered, uh, with maybe one exception, were entered at least twice on each board game. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was good. Uh, the only the only reason that might have also been true that people weren't dropping to play board games is because we started wrapping up at three thirty or something. Right, so like, right. if they played one round, if they played it all on Sunday, starting at nine, you might as well. It, right at that rounds. point, it's eleven or twelve, and you're like, cool. If I right. get food, maybe get one game in. I might as well just play another game, you know, go ball, and finish out the tournament. Now, I did. I was shocked that there was actually one person playing Guild Ball who, I mean, I thought I was very clear from the beginning. Get a prize, and it's what I've always done. To get a prize, you got to be at the closing ceremonies. And we had one person who won a prize who took off. And it was kind of weird because I had called their name thinking they were still there. Other people I had talked to had seen the person there. Everybody was like, um, what, uh, uh, oh. And then, like, two people were like, oh, yeah, they left a while ago. But, but the majority of the, you know, majority of the group was like, no, they're still here. We just saw them. Yeah. So that was a little surprising to me. Eh, it is what it is. So, uh, developers dinner. Oh yeah, we should talk about the developers dinner. What do you think? That was fun. So I, I think you I and I were the only ones that went. You're the only one that went as an attendee. I did not get to go to that. I had to do a. Uh, I've talked a lot. So, what was the developers dinner, James? It is basically you got uh, a bunch of actually industry people. So, um, Anvil Eight, uh, Wing Hussar Publishing. Wing Publishing. Um. There was Steamforge, Steamforge games. games and other? Nope, three. Okay, it was only three. Um, we we did have some industry people attend as guests. Yes, and that freaked me out too. But uh, <laughs> but no, we actually got to sit down. Um, it was interesting because I think like the so Wing Hussar and um, Steamforge basically they were just like, oh, we're gonna sit down with people and talk, and it'll be great. And Anvil 8 was just like, so, so what do we do? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Drink and talk. So, uh, but once it started going, like, it was a lot of interesting questions. Um, where it's like, hey, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? Uh, but it turned into a lot of, what are you doing well? What do you think about the forum? Like, the um, fact that it was not a Q&A... It was sit down, get a drink, have food in over two hours, casually chat. I think it was good if you knew who you wanted to talk to. So, like, I didn't get a chance to talk to the Steamforge guy because he was further down the table, and the way the table was set up, there was no way I could I could unless yeah. I leaned over and yeah. was just like, yeah. "Hey, me." Um, 
But I get to talk to, to, to Brian and he had late, like almost the entire night. I got to talk to the guy from uh, Wing Hazar like a, a little bit. Um, but I think that they're, I think if you knew who you wanted to talk to, you gravitated to that person. So I will say this. So we had 16 people show up for the dinner overall. Guests, organizers, and and the developers. Um, I got stuck at the airport picking people up, which meant I got there after I wanted to. And even that couple of minutes, the way this was supposed to work, the way the 16-person table was set mm-hmm. up, it was a longer table. The three developers were meant to be across from each other in the middle of the table. And then it would have been... Four people on each side of them on each side of the table. So another eight going out, but split across the table, which okay. would have put them in reach of everybody, where instead what ended up happening was the developer showed up. I, pretty much you could tell how people showed up because I could tell you got there we, we got, we got early. There you early. were one of the first yeah. people there because you were next to the window. Yep. And then there was the there was Brian from Anvil 8 right next to you, so yep. only one person from the window to you. And then... I ended up, there was a couple of open spaces. So we put Bryce down next to Brian and then there was like seven people to get to the end of the table. Yeah. So everybody was trying to listen down that end, which made things a little more awkward. And then, you know, Vince was across the table. It, that was purely, that's on me. They should have been close to the middle of the table. But by the time I got there, we were the last four, three people to show up. So we ended well, up. I, I know, I, I know like when we walked in, it was, there's no one here yet. Right. And we were kind of like, okay, where do we sit? And they was like, go sit anywhere. And I was like, okay, well, we're not going to be like complete pains in the asses and, and sit like in like the middle of the table. So we go, okay, we'll, we'll go all the way out yeah. to the end. And then the developers started coming in. So they were moved. We moved down to the end because it was that psychological, everyone moved down to the end thing. First year doing it. One of the things I may do is a couple of ideas I have. One of which is to find some place for dinner in the future. That's a big round table. And then just, you know, crown everybody King Arthur. Um, <laughs> the other thing is I still like the the way we did the tables, the long table, if it doesn't get too long. Because I can see developers down the table, but mm-hmm. do na- but do nameplates up and down. Yeah, like, like re- put down reserve yeah. in the middle. Not just reserve. No, no, no. Like, actually, this is James's seat. This is Converse's oh, okay. seat. This okay. is, uh, because I, I have the list of people coming. Right? I... I, I it's pre-register for that, pre-pay for that. So I have the list of people who should be there. Yeah, I don't see any problem. So, I mean, so like, but um, just from our conversations, I know that uh, Anvilite Games actually got good feedback. Also, so we were asking questions, but he was also asking questions to us about like, so what are you guys looking for? Um, hey, I heard you talking about this game. What do you like about that game? And they were also getting feedback from us about what we're liking, what we don't like. Um, I think we actually praised Amblight Games about their website redesign. Yeah. Um, so one of the- I think one of the guys that I haven't really talked to much was just like, yeah, I looked at your website. I saw you guys at Con. I looked at your website. And I really didn't think you guys were a company because your website was kind of eh. So I actually know the guy that made that comment, and I know the the comment was much harsher than your. It was a lot harsher than that. So, (laughs) but I mean, you could see him going, "Oh, okay, okay." And have you seen the new one? Yeah, I've seen the one. How do you like that one? So I think that 
if you get, I think smaller companies like Steamforge, it does a lot of guild wall talking. Okay, well, what about this? How do you play this guy? Which is not su- not overly not surprising. surprising because the bulk of the people at the dinner were guild ball players. Yeah. We had a guild ball developer there, which is one of the developers, and this has traditionally been a guild ball event, which is now a wider event. I will say this. I um, There was a couple things I joked about and then realized I probably am not joking as much as I thought I was. So, ha-ha funny, but probably going to become real, as opposed to ha-ha funny, what a good joke. <laughs> one of the comments I made, I'm I'm watching the interplay, and I'm watching... If I separate, right, first there's the attendees and the developers. And every once in a while I would see these little these little passes of conversation, developer to developer. And it's like, oh, wait, there's Vince from Winged Hussar Publishing, who is a book publisher who publishes novels and has a, a, a literal stable of authors. And there's Anvil 8. And they just have a quick go-between in, huh, I wonder if there's novels coming up in the future now. Or or there's Steamforge, you know, Bryce from Steamforge. All of a sudden he's like, oh, wait, you guys do what? And there's this little quick go-between. And then, like, and it's almost funny to watch. For me, who likes watching people, it's almost funnier to watch conversations that end abruptly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I watched that, too. <laughs> right? Not abruptly negatively, but it was sort of like, Wait, you publish books? Why, yes, I do publish books. Do you take on new? Do you take on new companies and publishers? Why, yes, I do. Okay, good. But, <laughs> uh, the other thing that was really interesting, and this is something for next year. You touched on it. You said, "Oh, that really freaked me out." We did have somebody show up purely as a guest, purely as a ticket holding guest, mm-hmm. and huge kudos to this guy. Can you say the name? Uh, I'm not going to okay, right now. You. What I am going to say is a a a well renowned, known. well-known author, uh, not author, uh, artist, artist, who was quiet, was having fun, and then partway through dinner was like, oh, by the way, this is what I do. And you could just see this wave of, what the hell? Oh, no. At the table. <laughs> Seriously, like, people and then, were, like, heads turned. And were like, what? And then it kind of blows over. And then the guy partway through, like, I went over to talk to him because I knew a couple of other reasons why he wanted to be there. But then he, then he partway through, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm designing a game. Would you like to see some of the art for the game? And everybody's like, what? And, like, necks are craning. Mm. And and I got asked about that afterwards. Like, oh, how'd you get that guy here? Well, you know, that was great as a developer. Why didn't you announce him? I'm like, well, he wasn't a developer. He's just like everybody else. So it was kind of cool to just some of the... My wife gives me a hard time about industry connections. But it, the industry connections of people that I know or have gotten to know and come across who just attended, you know, just to kind of come by and chat with some people... It, and, and even he was just like, so here's the game. And, and, like, you can tell, like, the developers were just like, the art's great. But as soon as he started showing how the game works. Oh, they all kicked in. They're like, well, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you doing this? And you can see, like, their developer brain. It's like, it's like oh, we <laughs> know this, we know what this guy does. Oh, wow. Okay, that's awesome. And he started playing the game. And, we, and they immediately their brain went, click. Like, well, why are you doing this? Well, have you thought about doing it this way? way? <laughs> there was at least three or four times. And we're all just like. Uh, are, are we watching a game being developed right now, like in front of us? And like, even, like three, like all three developers at one point forgot the rest of the table existed because where he sat 
was yeah. like the right triumvirate of like developers. So it was. I, I like, will admit that was that was entirely intentional. Really, you I think? Actually, I actually <laughs> moved somebody to put him there. But that being said, it was it was a very cool thing to watch, and that was I'm excited that that came out of it. Even everybody seemed to have a good time, and I'm glad to hear you. I would actually do it. I would do that again. Yeah. Um, I would love to see it get bigger, but bigger on both sides. Yeah. Um, the joke I made was, if this continues to progress along with the developers, there'll have to be two developers dinner. There'll be the developers dinner that's just industry. And then there'll be the developers dinner that's... That, that's when you have an at, like a dinner drinks party right. that's invite only. Right. But mm-hmm. I could see like getting, getting smaller developers. Like either even some people who are trying to like kick off their stuff, um, I could see that being a little more helping them and also getting insight. So let me ask the three of you this along that thought process because it's something that I am I have been thinking about. I've been going back and forth on. Um, and, and look, there was enough stress this year that there were points. I know Josh is without saying it directly to me, giving me a hard time about this. Because there were points where leading up to the convention... You didn't say something to him? I was... I I and I didn't he, even give him a hard time about he, it. He, huh. he, he inadvertently gave me a hard time through my wife. There were times <laughs> leading up, and Josh, who comes over regularly, where I was like, F this, I'm out, this is done, last year, there's no way I'm doing this again, way too much stress, I'm too sick to my stomach, and then of course I'm in the middle of the weekend and then at the award ceremony. And as I heard secondhand and I started talking about, and next year, and apparently Josh turned to my wife and went, did he just say we're doing this again next year? <laughs> Wasn't it just two weeks ago? He was like, fuck this. We're out. <laughs> <laughs> so last year I was like, this is my last food machine. I'm done. I'm tired. This is really hard to organize. It's really hard to get the stuff in. And then like, I think, like two days ago, I was talking to Chris, uh, who owns Huzzah, and I was just like, "Yeah, for food machine this year." He's like, "I thought you were not doing that." I'm like, "You know, it's just, yeah, it's just not going to happen." To me. I no, I mean to be fair, when it comes to you and this, uh, I'll be interested to see. I, I I knew you were in the moment, so it was kind of fun to see, yeah, how much the moment had an impact on you from before when you were stressing about it to being in it. And how much more you were enjoying it in Netflix to see how it actually goes, like how it was actually going versus worrying about how it would go. It, it I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm pausing and, and stuttering because I'm, I'm thinking back and it's bringing up the same. This year, I have always been humbled by the people that enjoy the event. Mm-hmm. This year, it was, it, it struck me speechless, which for me is a lot. That says a lot. Right. I mean, when I stood up on the, there was a there was a moment when I stood up on the on the little steps to start making the announcements, where every other time I've stood up, I've seen the crowd, everybody looks pretty happy, everybody looks pretty tired, and I can roll right in. And there was a level of appreciation and enjoyment, like people enjoyed the event to a point. They were all happy. There was enough energy still in the room that it was really just overwhelming. Um, for me, I mean, it was just overwhelming to kind of step up. And that was, there was a point where right when I stepped up where I was like, oh shit, I'm glad I, I'm glad I made notes because wow. 
Um, so that's that's a huge moment that mm-hmm. I was able to coordinate something and organize something that so many people had this much fun, right? It it, it was different from even previous years. It seems to be growing, which is a cool thing for me. Uh, the other big moment was when I started to give away the games. And the first time, and it's funny because I was going to do a different order, and I'm glad I did the order I did because the first stack of games I gave away were $200 games, and then the second stack was like three games, and everybody in the room was like, the fuck? (laughs) Wait, what? And he still has more? So I did hear that one. Wait, there's, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually, I convinced my friend Dustin to come up from uh, Stanton. And he was just like, ah, oh, not sure, $25. I'm like, you do realize that, <laughs> like, if you put in 25 bucks, and you have a chance to win at least one $100 game. Well, or, or less, but it's it's good chances. So, I got two questions for and you did guys. Ethereum. Um, <laughs> and the one I was going to ask, I'm going to push to my second question. The first question I have for you was, was the swag bag worth $25 on both sides of the house? So the swag bag on the guild ball side of the house was a 50 millimeter goal, a measuring widget, a set of four measuring sticks, all engraved with spring fling, a engraved pint glass, and the uh, uh, free uh, yep a book and a free drink, free donut. The Board game side was a first player token engraved with Spring Fling, the glass, a book that was actually the same book, but it was actually signed by the author for everybody that was on the board game side, and the donut. And so basically, they didn't get the two measuring widgets because I didn't feel that fit as appropriately with board games. The book was signed? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't realize the book I, and the board game form was signed. I, I took the other bag. I have I have like three of those books already, so I just like pushed it to the side. Shame. I know. Shame. You're a bad person. Yes, yeah, all, all the board game people got a signed by the author Craig Gallant book. Um was that worth was that worth the entry? Well, but it wasn't just that. It was also entry to the con. It was also entry to the con and everything else going on. Right. So Absolutely. it wasn't just a $25 swag bag or not. It was that plus the actual convention right. participation. Yeah. So um, the uh, the board game ticket was slightly cheaper than the uh, Guild Ball tournament ticket. Correct? A little more than slightly. Okay, um, so it was, and so uh, I also have to cover prizes for Guild Ball, and the Guild Ball prizes was a much deeper pool. Yeah, than, I mean, really, the board game prizes were we had trophies for a couple of the games, not all of them, and then the Play and Win Library, which again, the Play and Win Library is. Pri- I did put some money into the Play and Win Library, but it was primarily sponsored and donations. Mm-hmm. But uh, my point of that was going the the price of that ticket. Alone, I think the event was more than enough. Made the just the entry price, you know, fantastic and right. worth it. And then all of the the swag bag on top of that was was um, icing on the cake. Um, I really liked um, the. Uh, 
I was a fan of getting a book personally, uh, just because you um, sometimes when you're waiting down for, um, you know, you're kind of in an odd spot in the con waiting for, you know, hey, I want to play a book this game with this guy and this guy, but they're, you know, in two different groups. Why don't I just like, you know, open this up and all that. So um, I thought that was a fantastic part of it. Um, also, just always getting the um, sort of... Uh, custom trinkets and stuff like that for the event is always nice um the like first player token yeah. and, and the drinks and are the the glass i i always enjoy getting those um it's always nice to you know come back or a couple weeks later you know take it down and i will say this it. as the second year i'm doing glasses there was one of the guys at the con who was like thank you so much for this i'm like yeah he goes yeah i now have a spring fling a spring fling uh, pilsner glass from last year. A spring fling pilsner from this year with a different logo. I have a house at. I have a like he listed off. He's like, <laughs> he's like here are four. Uh, he has four guild ball tournaments. He's gone to all that have separate glasses, and then he has two glasses that are just guild ball. And he's like, or you know, Philly came. He was like, so I have my six. I uh, set of six pilsner yes. glasses. I don't need to go to another tournament until I break one. I'm like, shame on you. <laughs> well, you do it. You should just walk over and <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, I guess my point is, from the board game side of things, I thought it was uh, great and fantastic. I think it was a smart idea to do the first player token uh, thing as as part of that, because when you think back on it, there's a actually a heck of a lot of games that do use you know first player tokens and things like that, and and also it's real nice. Um, I'm glad to hear that because I struggled with what to put in the swag bag for the board game side, and yeah. I was going to go with a dice tray, and then like. Originally, we had Keyforge and things like that. It was like, okay, there's a bunch of games here that don't use dice. And getting a dice rolling, a dice tower, not a dice tray, but a dice tower, and getting a dice tower and trying to shove D12s down it uh, should work. But uh, I was like, okay, so that's not as ubiquitous as I thought. Yeah. But there's always a need for a first player token. Oh, yeah. Yeah, company free for next year then. <laughs> and then um, on the Guild Bowl side of things, um, those little measuring widgets, the uh, the sticks. Um, I always know every single time I've ever gotten gone to yeah. a tournament, I have not not those exact sticks that we got, but the same style of the thin measuring widgets. Everybody always comments about those, saying, "Hey, where'd you get those? Those are super helpful and all that." So I can only and imagine. Now they have some that say "Spring Fling 2019," and everybody will know. Uh huh. So uh, yeah, I think that was uh, also a fantastic inclusion on the on the Gilball side of things. So here's my other question. Is Guild Ball, um, does a con, as it grows, need a foundation or cornerstone event? Spring Fling has Guild Ball as a cornerstone event. I'm looking next year. I had I have an intention, an idea around the Spring Fling that I am now wavering on. Uh, my original intention was to keep this not the primary game system. So... Not the big companies, right? Not Games Workshop, not Fantasy Flight, um, not, you know, Simon. And then I sort of started to waver a little bit, especially around Keyforge. Keyforge, when I added it, was still small, but picking up a lot of steam. A lot of people were excited. So I was like, okay, well, this isn't X-Wing. So, you know, not Privateer. It's not, I want, really the intention here is I want it, I want, I would prefer, my intention would be the Spring Fling be a convention or to go out and play those games that you can't just go trip across a tournament or a convention every month to play. 
War Machine and Hordes, you can pretty much get a tournament, a big tournament, decent-sized tournament to a big tournament every month, right? Guild Ball, you still can't. Games Workshop? Sigmarine, 40K, not fantasy, whatever. Games Workshop, you can still get a pretty big... There's pretty big conventions out there. You can get a pretty big tournament every two months. X-Wing, you can pretty much get a big tournament for X-Wing every month. Um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. When you went to Adepticon, the first year you went to Adepticon, why'd you go? The first year I went to Adepticon? Yep. So, I think I know what you're asking, but let me answer the question more intentionally. Right? Yes, I went to my first year at Adepticon to play 40K. Because that's the game I was playing at the time. I continued going to Adepticon because I love Adepticon. I didn't get introduced to other games at Adepticon. But you went to Adepticon because you loved Adepticon. Oh, yeah. Not because you love 40K. Oh, no. If I was going for 40K, that... So, I think what you're... So, you need to have... So, if if you are getting away from... The Spring Fling being a Guild Ball tournament with other stuff. Oh, no, no, certainly. Oh, okay, well, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, into yeah, I see where you're going. Convention. Yep. Money-wise, having an entry fee for the larger tournament, uh, Fantasy Flight stuff, 40K, blah, 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 even if it's just one tournament, them paying for the entry fee into the tournament. setting the, the hall and everything right, else. Right, yep. pays for that. When other people go, when people like, so you have that. So they're going to go for their main game, but there's also other things. The entire like guild ball, like your guild ball tournament takes up two days. Mm-hmm. When it could like, if you look at other things, it takes up like half a day and then like another day. And there's usually like two rounds that you can play in both rounds and all that stuff because it's a longer time scale. Starting at eight, going to whenever. Starting at blah blah, going to whenever. If you expand, you have a chance of growing Guild Ball, chance of growing other games. But people are who go, well, I'm only here for one round. What else is there? And they can walk around and be like, oh, there's board games. Oh, there's a vendor hall that doing, is doing demos. There's blah. What's this game? I've never heard of Guild Ball before. That looks like really great terrain. Like, that's the convention feel. That's fair. And that's part of... Well, go ahead. You. Well, no, I was just saying, in general, if you add the games that people travel to play, you'll have a lot more people show up to do things. I mean, that's just... Right. Because they will travel there to play their game, and they'll just be there. Whether that's your... Whether that's acceptable or not is up to you, right? And that's what you're trying to decide before is, hey, you were avoiding that because you kind of wanted to keep it small, or at least not as mainstream... To showcase other things. Showcase other things. And that kind of goes back to what, Connor, you were talking about earlier, right? It'd be good to get some of these smaller developers in. That's kind of my whole goal. I bring no benefit to Games Workshop. But I bring no... So there's no win-win for me. There's a win for me. I bring people in. I'm not going to be able to do as good of a job running a running a, a 40K or a... Age of Sigmar well, tournament. Well, I'm stop. not going to be. You're you're not. You're a convention organizer. You have a minion uh, that does that. I'm with you. But think of a mall. You have anchor stores, 
which are huge, big name stores. But yep. once you get inside this, the the mall, you've got like Bob's Snack Shop, and you have like little tiny things here and there. You still need to have the big anchors to draw people in, and then once they're done drawing in there, they walk inside and they go, "I've never seen this before. What's this?" So it's also you want to have the mini stuff, the little tiny things. Sure, set up a room and say, "Hey, it's." Say hi to new developers who have new games. They do that at PAX Unplugged. Walk in, beta test a game that's being developed. And people walk in there all the time. Um, So so this is coming from my convention experience that I've had. I haven't been to many. But um, so um, in my experience, I was somebody who went to, um, it was Nova... Open, yeah, I think that was the one that I went to. I went there for Guild Ball, um, primarily as you know, my game of I'm going there, that's what I plan on doing. And for the most part, um, I kind of just went there for that Nova Open. I kind of just went there, did the whole Guild Ball tournament, and then just played Guild Ball, Guild Ball, Guild Ball is what I did. Sure, there was a whole bunch of other stuff around me, but I was there for Guild Ball. I did Guild Ball. I didn't really have any of that. The only time that I did what kind of what you were describing of, you know, hey, you go in there for this one thing. Oh, there's this cool thing over here. There's this other cool thing over here was I went to Adepticon and I played Guild Ball. I got super frustrated with Guild Ball and stopped and, you know, just quit playing in that uh, and the Guild Ball events for the weekend. Um so that, that's the thing that I'm seeing is that, yes, you'll get some percentage of players, I imagine, that will be like, I'm more for the con experience. But you'll also get a whole bunch of the sort of hardcore tournament grinder sort of people who are there purely for the competition. And they you won't necessarily see the bleed over of, hey, this round is done. Let me go try other things. They're going to be like, hey, this round's done. Let me go ahead and play more games of it so I can be ready for... Josh, you were one of those guys. Uh, 100%. I was one of those guys. And that is definitely the way I approached conventions for a couple right. of years. It was just an expensive tournament. Uh, yeah, well, expensive four or five tournaments. Yeah. And there was a bunch of hanging out, but it was hanging out playing more of the same game, right? Like, it was go sit in the, the play area with people and meet people and have fun. But yeah, I 100% used to not even see the con, quote-unquote, until the last day when I was finally out of tournaments to play. And I was like, oh, crap, there's a vendor hall. Let's go look at that. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I found that it didn't make me super happy after a while. Um, but I, it's not so much... I don't think you do it to get bleed over. Because it's not... It's The idea of, hey, I'm going to add Age of Sigmar to Spring Fling, it's not necessarily going to be, I got a bunch of people who are going to do Age of Sigmar, and then they're going to do a lot of other things. Pretty much, people are going to do Age of Sigmar, which just helps contribute to the, helps contribute to the growth of the con to the right. to the cost of facilitating everything else. Right? You have another sixty four people come for a tournament. That means you have that much entry fees that you can then expand, make a lot more use of the money you have. Well, and once I start diversifying, I mean, I'm already looking at most likely doing this, running the Spring Fling next year. If I run the Spring Fling next year, which is there's, I have to set up a cart that has two different. Two different costs. Here's the base convention ticket that pays for the space, that pays for the convention stuff that goes into one budget, and then here is the guild ball budget. Here is the board game budget. Here is the here is the other budget. So here's the Age of Sigmar because one of the biggest problems personally I have had with other conventions is the communal pot of everything goes to a single game because that's who the 
Yeah, that's, that's the game that the <laughs> organizer likes. Let's not let's not get on that rant. I've heard that rant. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm just. Well, I'm just talking about like like that is an. Imp- it is valid. There, right? There's a couple of important things to me. That is a very important philosophy around running an event, running a convention. Sure. Going back to running an event, I want to, and this is what I'm concerned about. Yes, I become a convention organizer, but I'm still putting my name behind the Spring Fling convention, which means I want it run a certain way. I don't mind calling out. Um, I've had some discussions. I'm not gonna call them out by name. I'm not really calling out, but. I had some discussions with a person about them next year bringing Age of Sigmar in a large Age of Sigmar event that they're building year over year to the Spring Flag. And one of the things, initially it was, hey, what do you think about this? And my response was, we need to sit down and talk because there is a certain way and a certain thought process I have around how to make a good event. And at the end of the day... I don't mind letting other people organize events. I, I did a good job this year with, with Lon and Bob TOing, right? Running the tournament, and it was still my event. But I also did, I think, a really good job because it seemed to pay off of they understood my mindset and didn't deviate from it, even to the point where there was one point where I, it was important to me. They didn't, there was a, a point in the game when I asked them to do something at the end where, but a lot of Bob were like, you want us to do what? And I was like, this is important to me. I feel it's an important part. It's something nobody else sees, but this activity is important to me to make sure that I'm running the best event. And they were like, okay, we're not going to argue. That's what you want. That's what we'll do. And it wasn't something they felt as necessary. It's not something they do in their own tournaments. It's something that I specifically do, but it is something I feel sets apart or adds to the the quality of the event I run. But that's so. So that's the type of stuff that any TO would have to get on board with because it's, it's my convention. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it is. So because it's so small, it's a good thing to go, you know, I can walk over and go, you should be doing this, you should be doing this. When you get larger. So I helped run a con that had like seven. Are eight games going on simultaneously. Yep. So you have to go, okay, we have an overall understanding of this is how the this is how your games should be ran. This is the code of conduct. This is the um how you deal with problems. Um and then I expect to have the extra fun these things added. Yep. And as they're designing their tournament, you ask them, I need you to tell me how this is going to go. Because you don't want somebody just walking in and being like, well, I'm running a tournament now. Where's my prizes? Okay, cool. Go! Well, it goes, Josh and I had this discussion at Depticon this year as we're standing in, I can't believe I'm saying this, as I was standing in line. Yeah, buddy. Like a plebe. Like the rest of the Not plebes. Not like a plebe, as, as a plebe. plebe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I was saying, yeah, that's an inside joke, not overly arrogant. I just have always, I've been in VIG for so many years. It was, it was really upsetting this year not to be. Um, it was really fun, actually, to hang out with him. <laughs> I, I just watch him twitch like crazy. I didn't get to go, so shut up. <laughs> but there was a point where Josh and I were talking in the standing line, and I, I'm looking around trying to get a rough count of the crowd. And realizing, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was basically along the lines of, I don't think I want to be this big. Like, I think, and, and I and I can remember at one point, like, we're standing in one specific section, and I'm like, 
this section of people, which is like a tenth of the people here, that's a big enough for me. I think we can go, I can go to this and I'm I'm done. Yeah, we were talking about numbers. He was like, huh, from like here to there is about 100 people. Like, yeah. Because he was talking about maybe potentially expanding the number of people in the Guild Ball tournament if, next right. year if we do Spring Fling again. So he's like, like Jesus Christ. This everywhere <laughs> from here to there would be in a tournament just for Spring Fling. And that would just be for Guild Ball. just for and Guild Ball's then, tournament, and then other people. He's like, "Oh man, that's 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 a lot." Like, and there's a, a lot, lot of things on. around the logistics and stuff. Now I know it's things that attendees rarely think about, really. And I know I, I know the other convention organizers have to think about it, right? Flow of people and, mm-hmm. and everything else, and those were a lot of things I was looking at. And I really was. I'm like, "Ooh, like th- there is a certain point where it is a event, a convention will grow beyond my bounds." To heavily influence to put, to, enough to put your stamp on it, right? Where you can put your stamp on each aspect of it, and then yeah. I have to trust that it'll just go, or I don't have to trust that it'll just go. I can go this far, no more. Well, that's so. That's how you grow your con. You grow it to where next year I think I can add about this many people, and you sell that many tickets. Right. So when you say, "Okay, cool," when all of the Entry fee just into the con tickets are done. That's it. Yep. Um, we have no more. Now, if all those are like Guildball players, great. If all those are board game players, whatever. But at that point, you can go, all right, let's do an after-action report. Can I handle an extra 50? You know, I you kind of like just keep stepping up to the point where you're yeah, like... I'm with you. Yeah. And then the things you got to think about, like, it starts getting weird. And then people don't realize this, is that you go, great, we have all these people. How are we going to feed them? You know, where are they going to go? Do they have places to... Donut to... food truck. Yeah. <laughs> they get stuck behind a... Uh, an, uh, a they were there. Uh, they were there day two. They, they were. They were. The um, truck was there day two and 15 dozen donuts showed up day one. That's right. If so you have donuts. not seen 15 dozen donuts get carried into a place, you have not lived. <laughs> I could not say that before, and now I can. If you've not watched an entire <laughs> packed room full of magic players, watch 15 boxes Descend of donuts. Descend like locusts. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's wow. Like, people don't realize, like, when, they, when, they, when you choose sites, you have to go, what's close enough for them to eat? Yeah. Like, how are we going to make sure that they, like, don't pass out because they don't have water or that kind of stuff? Um... And these are the things you think about, like when you do the after action report. Okay, what was wrong? Ask people. Hey, what did we do wrong? Right. How can we make it better? Things like you're doing right now, and that's the sign of a good organizer, as opposed to I'm running a tournament that has a bunch of people. Well, sure. I mean, I don't think that was. I don't think that was really his question, though. I thought the question was more along the lines of yeah, it doesn't need to have a big anchor event. Doesn't need to have a big anchor event, and. If he's going to include more things, he's already aware he's got to find people that are that are, that are all similar. I believe the same thing. Well, let me give you a good example, thing. right? And it's kind of funny. Pax Unplugged has no big anchor event, except that they're packs. Except that they're packs. Right? Which, to be fair, is all that's, the anchor they. That's need. all the anchor they need, right? It's the name recognition. They have several. I would say, so like Pax Unplugged, when we went. The biggest What's events, the headline event? So they don't have a headline event because it's right not, there. But they have multiple. They had what are the headline events? The D and D game that we could never get into because it was constantly packed. Uh, it was an entire wing that they, they did. They ran their own D and D game. So I will say this: while there may be events, 
I don't see PAX Unplug. What's the big event at the Nova Open, Conry? What's the headline event of the Nova Open? Some game that invo- involves right. Blue Space Marines? The 40K event. What's the big headline event at Adepticon? The 40K t- team tournament. Oh, no. I was going to say the vendor room. No. No. What's the... Okay. <laughs> Let me figure your answer to the proper question. What's the headline event at Gen Con? Oh, that's the vendor room. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I, the the 40K team event is really the anchor event. That... A large number of people go to Adepticon for that. It may not be where it started, but that is now sort of the headline premier event. Now, they've added things, right? X-Wing has gone crazy there. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's a bunch of other events that have like completely blown out and, and become the place to go. But really, it comes down to, like, all of those have some big anchor event. Uh, there used to be the Colonial GT. And the Colonial GT is what I would point back to when you say, what did I start going to to Adepticon for? And then I stuck around. Colonial GT I went to early on. It was one of the largest East Coast Warhammer Fantasy tournaments. And when I stopped playing Fantasy, I stopped going. It was an awesome event. But it was I was only interested in going for Fantasy. So let me, let me, let me say this. What I'm saying is you need to have large events. You need to have anchor events but if you look at like nova open it's 40k and then other games are being played right if you look at adepticon it used to be 40k and other games are being played but they've grown past that to now it's there's 40k but there's a ton of other Other stuff that's going on and right now spring fling and i got this feedback actually it's one of the things that i'm hugely resisting because i like the name spring fling I think it works, Spring Fling Convention, but I was told I need to change the name because for three years, Spring Fling has been a Guild Ball tournament. So right now, everybody is going, oh, that's a Guild Ball tournament. Now, I'll be direct. I think I can overcome that with a year of marketing <laughs> and get the word out. But right now, Spring Fling, it, and even even if I do Spring Fling next year and I make it three times the size, it's still going to be seen as... The Guild Ball event is the foundation event and others. It's going to take a couple of years, no matter what I want, to overcome that. The question is, do I make it do next next year? Is there is there logic behind saying we're going to do a 64-person Guild Ball event and a 40-person Age of Sigmar event and a 32-person Infinity event? I think it's too big of a jump. So, uh, personally, I wasn't think... talking about the numbers. Oh, right. well, just uh, yes. So, um, I we're going to do a 24 person Guild Ball event, a 24 person Infinity event, a 24 person no, Age I'm, of Sigmar I'm, I'm event. Saying, I'm saying, right? like, I'm saying, you know, the, if you a, added, a 10 person Magic event. If you added, if you added another major event, I think that it would become a new, interesting feel. It would be different from the spring fling that it currently is so then the big question becomes do if if adding the size of event is it the size of event that's important because if that's the important i can swing one or two weekends and just do a pre-release at every spring fling Hmm. and get 70 to 80 people (laughs) it's because everybody's biased against magic players except magic players who are biased against everybody else (laughs) (laughs) well that you have to be able to distribute 
right at the event, which if you're not at the store, doesn't do yeah. it. Well, yeah, I know. I need to. Uh, but <laughs> so it's more a, and the, I, I, this is what you were kind of looking for help with. I think it's more a a question, a a, um, a design or a, an intent question. Intent question, yeah. Right, and the intent in general. What comes up with these guns is you use the big events to be able to fund having all the extra stuff that you want to make available, right? Like, if you did a developer stimmer of all just really small developers that nobody knows, it's less likely to be popular right. than if you have some developers that everybody knows. And then you can also break some of those, right? Like, it's a trade-off. You ha- In general, I would argue you have to do some of that because that's what... That's what draws Which makes it feasible, right? That's right. what draws the people. And then you kind of enable the rest of it. And... I think that if you go down that road, especially with where you want to go and the intent that you have for for the kind of events you want to run, of making it making it enjoyable and good for everyone, not just good for those, not just good for the companies, not just right. good for the for the attendees, but and not to, just good for the big companies. Right. To, to do that, you are invariably, I think, going to have to add some other big events because that helps you grow that and gives you the the maneuverability to do the extra things that you would like to do. It's just going to be making sure you balance that without, um, I'm going to say selling out, but that's not really what I mean. Without losing no, focus. No, I know exactly what you mean. I know what you mean, but what I really mean is without losing focus, without losing right, balance. Right. Right? Like, it's not, it's only that's an intentional thing, but this is just saying that, hey, you've got to make sure that, I do think you have to grow and add the other foundational kinds of events to, to go where you potentially want to go. And if you don't, if you want to stay at a smaller size, that's great. I don't, I think it will be fine. I think it'll be great, but it won't change. Right. Um, I mean, I got to admit, knowing how I approach these things, the idea of adding big events simply to get enough people to pre-sign up to fund, (laughs) to make me financially comfortable in committing to five, six, eight, $10,000 $10,000 hotel conference rooms that would that alone starts to make it more attractive to go that way right so actually funny thing is while you guys are talking because my brain goes in different directions um you were I'm one of the people that was like hey Spring Fling's a horrible name it's associated with the Yo Ball tournament and as I'm sitting here my brain just kind of went hey hey dummy uh, you were just talking about Adepticon. Adepticon. Yeah. Named after 40K stuff that you just said you don't go there for 40K. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cr-. yeah, it does kind of work. Uh-huh. So it it does, yes, you had that recognition now of three years. Four years? Three years. This is year four, but this is the first year we went wider. So you still have the name recognition, and I think losing it now, you would probably lose the people also. So I think Spring Fling is kind of like stuck there kind of a little bit. I or like you can name. change it now because it's so early. You're you're in that gray area of like it's I also changeable. like the name because I can make the joke from time to time, as I have done, that you know, I, I've I've had people be like, So when I told my wife I was going to the Spring Fling, she wants to know if it's at a swingers conference. <laughs> I was like, and I hope you told her yes. <laughs> it definitely is now. Wait, can I say picture? Yes. Yes it is. So I think I think if people Googled it before they might have found other references to it that just called it a guild ball tournament. Yeah. Given a year or two, that's going to go away, right? Like, <clears throat> it just takes time. Oh, yeah. No, time, and time and recognition for... And enough people saying we did other things. Yeah. 
but it really comes down to what do you want this to become next year? Why would you ask him a question he has no answer to? Fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> this was a waste of one hour and 41 minutes. He's like, and for the first time, I'm going to edit a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. And we're out. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Gamers Lounge. Um, I'm hoping that all came through the waveform on basically the way I can tell whether there's good sound or not on the uh, on the software that I use, GarageBand. It's a little bit hard to tell um, Convy and, and you know Josh and Benjamin's levels. Uh, so. Um, the couple of points I listened to, they sounded okay. Hopefully that came through okay because I haven't listened to the whole, you know, hour and a half, uh, nearly two hours. So thank you so much to Josh and Benjamin and to, uh, Convy for coming out. Uh, Convy is also on the beer thrall. So a very good thing to listen to. Uh, if you want to watch some of the video, we mentioned it during the recording, but the beer thralls, uh, YouTube channel is an excellent place to go. They have all the video there, and they're starting to do Kingdom Death Monster on Wednesday nights. So um, I have not watched the first one of those yet, but I am interested to see their group and uh, sort of watch some of their playthrough. So I hope you've been enjoying this. Uh, if you enjoy the show, definitely could use some uh, reviews on iTunes. That helps other people find the show. Uh, tell your friends. And, and overall, just thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I can be reached at bill at gamerslounge.coda.net. And with that, that was episode 149. Um, hour and 45 minutes. Quite a bit of listening. Thank you very much. 